0: Chapter twenty two of Three People by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty two. Poor Pliny. The surliness of that November night broke into dazzling sunlight the next morning, and the sun was nearly two hours high when Pliny Hastings rolled himself heavily over in bed, uttered a deep groan and awoke to the wretchedness of a new day of shame and misery and self-loathing for he loathed himself this poor young man born and reared in the very hotbed of temptation struggling to break the chain that he had but recently discovered was bound around him making resolutions many and strong and gradually awakening to the knowledge that resolutions were flimsy as paper threads compared with the iron bands with which his tyrant held him after the groan he opened his eyes and staring about him in a bewildered way tried to take in his unfamiliar surroundings where in the name of wonders am i now he said at last and aloud whereupon theodore came to the bedside and said good morning pliny what the mischief began pliny then he stopped and as memory came to his aid he added a short sharp oh and relapsed into silence are you able to get up and go down to breakfast with me questioned theodore and then pliny raised himself on his elbow and burst forth i say mallory why didn't you just leave me to my confounded fate i should have blundered home somehow and if that long-suffering sister of mine had chanced to fail in her plans why my precious father would have discovered my condition and kicked me out of doors for good he has threatened to do it and that is the way they all do anyhow isn't it mallory make drunkards and when their handiwork just begins to do them credit kick them out i think it would be well for you to get up and dress for breakfast was theodore's quiet answer why don't you give it up mallory persisted Pliny making no effort to change his position. "'Don't you see it's no sort of use? No one was ever more possessed to be a fool than I am. What have all my everlasting promises amounted to but straws? I tell you, my father designed and planned me for a drunkard, and I'm living up to the light that has been given me.' "'I see it is quite time you were ready for breakfast, Pliny. I am waiting, and have been, for two hours.' and i really haven't time to waste while you lie there and talk nonsense whatever else you do don't be foolish enough to cast all the blame of your misdeeds on your father pliny turned fiercely who else is there to blame i should like to know he said savagely didn't he give me the sugar to sip from the bottom of his brandy glass in my babyhood haven't i drank my wine at his table sitting by his side three times a day for the last fifteen years haven't i seen him frown on every effort at temperance reform throughout the country haven't i seen him sneer at my weak feeble efforts to break away from the demon with which he has constantly tempted me if he didn't rear me up for a drunkard what in the name of heaven am i designed for after such a training pliny said theodore speaking low and with great significance for what do you suppose my father designed and reared me one evening months before theodore had in much pain and shrinking told the whole sad story of his early life to pliny told it in the vague hope that it might some day be a help to him now as he referred to it pliny answered only with a toss and a groan and then was entirely silent. At last he spoke again in a quieter but utterly despairing tone. "'Mallory, you don't know anything about it. I tell you, I was born with this appetite. I inherited it, if you will. It is my father's legacy to me, and the taste has been petted and fostered in every imaginable way. You need not talk of my manhood to me. I have precious little of that article left.' no mortal knows it better than i do myself i would sell what little i have for a glass of brandy this minute theodore came over to him and laid a quiet hand on the flushed and throbbing temples i know all about it my friend he said gently i know more about this thing in some respects than you do remember the atmosphere in which i spent my early boyhood remember what my father is oh i know how hard it is so well that it seems to me almost impossible for one in his own strength to be freed but pliny why will you not accept a helper one who is mighty to save i do solemnly assure you that in him you would certainly find the strength you need pliny moved restlessly and spoke gloomily you are talking a foreign language to me mallory I don't understand anything about that sort of thing you know yes i know but what has that to do with it i am asking you why you will not how is it possible that you can desire to be released from this bondage can feel your own insufficiency and yet will not accept aid and i am telling you that i don't understand anything about this matter but my dear friend is there any sense to that reply if you wished to become a surveyor and i should assure you that you would need to acquire a knowledge of a certain branch of mathematics in order to perfect yourself would you coldly reply to me that you knew nothing about that matter and consider the question settled you certainly would not if you had any confidence in me pliny turned quickly toward him you are wrong in that last position at least he said eagerly if i have confidence in any living being i have in you and certainly i have reason to trust you the way in which you cling to me patiently and persistently through all manner of scrapes and discouragements is perfectly marvellous now tell me why you do it theodore hesitated a moment before he answered gravely if you want to know the first cause pliny it is because i pledged you to my redeemer as a thank-offering for a gracious answer to my prayers which he sent me even when i was unbelieving and the second is because dear friend i love you and cannot give you up pliny lay motionless and silent and something very like a tear forced itself from between his closed eyelids Pliny. "'Will you utterly disappoint me?' said Theodore at last, breaking the silence. "'Won't you promise me to seek this helper of mine?' "'How?' "'Pray for his aid. It will surely be given. "'You trust me, you say. "'Well, I promise you of a certainty that he stands ready to receive you. "'Will you begin to-day, Pliny?' "'Will you despise me if I tell you why I cannot?' Pliny said, hesitatingly, after a long, and on Theodore's part, an anxious silence. No, I shall not, he answered quickly. Tell me. Well, then, it is because, whatever else I may have been, I have never played the hypocrite, and I have sense enough left to know that the effort which you desire me to make will not accord with an engagement which I have this very evening. What is it? to accompany ben phillips to the dance at the hotel on the turnpike nine miles from here i'm as sure that i will drink wine and brandy to-night as i am that i lie here in spite of all the helps in creation or out of it so what's the use will you give me one great proof of your friendship pliny was theodore's eager question i'll give you most anything quicker than i would any other mortal answered Pliny wearily. Then will you promise me not to go with Phillips this evening? Ho! said Pliny, affecting astonishment. I thought you were a tremendous man of your word. There are circumstances under which I am not. If I promise to commit suicide, I am justified in saner moments in changing my mind. I didn't exactly promise either said pliny thoughtfully i had just brains enough left for that well mallory i'll be hanged if i haven't a mind to promise you i'm sure i've no desire to go it's only that confounded way i have of blundering into engagements i'm waiting said theodore gravely well i won't go thank you this time he smiled and added how about the other matter pliny That is different, said Pliny restlessly. Not so easily decided on. I don't more than half understand you, and yet... Yes, I know theoretically what you want of me. Theodore, I'll think of it. A little quickly checked sigh escaped Theodore. He must bide his time, but a great point had been gained. There came a tapping at the chamber door. Theodore went forward and opened it, and Pliny, listening heard a clear smoothly modulated voice ask will your friend take breakfast with you theodore and have you any directions no special directions answered theodore smiling is that a hint that we are woefully late winnie it is too bad but we will be down very soon now i'm a selfish dog with all the rest pliny said sighing heavily as he went around making a hurried toilet How is it that you have any time to waste on a wretch like myself did you ever have your head whirl around like a spinning-wheel mallory i sent a note to mr stevens early this morning saying that i should not be at the store until late try ice-water for your head pliny this was theodore's reply to the last query the dainty little breakfast-room all in a glow of sunlight and bright with ivy and geranium looked like a patch of paradise to pliny hastings's splendor wearied eyes Winnie presided at the table in a crimson dress that young lady was very fond of crimson dresses and fitted very nicely into the clear crisp fresh brightness of everything about her pliny drank the strong coffee that she poured him with a relish and though he shook his head with inward disgust at the sight or thought of food Gradually, the spinning wheel revolved more and more slowly, and ere the meal was concluded, he was talking with almost his accustomed vivacity to Winnie. He hadn't the least idea that she had stood in the doorway the evening before, and watched him go stumbling and grumbling up the stairs. Theodore glanced from one bright, handsome face to the other, and grew silent and thoughtful. "'Where is your mother?' he said at last suddenly addressing winnie she is lying down nearly sick with a headache i feel troubled about mother she doesn't seem well i wish you would call on your way down town theodore and send the doctor up pliny noted the look of deep anxiety that instantly spread over theodore's face and the many anxious questions that he asked and grew puzzled and curious what position did this young man occupy in this dainty little house was he adopted brother friend or only boarder why was he so deeply interested in the mother oh he didn't know the dear little old lady and her story of the many mansions nor the many dear and tender and motherly deeds that she had done for this boarder of hers and how now that he was in a position to pay her with good measure, pressed down and running over, he still gave to her respectful, loving, almost adoring reverence. Pliny had not been a familiar friend of Theodore's in the days when the latter had heated his coffee at the little old lady's kitchen stove, and the stylish Winnie had made distracting little cream-cakes for his saloon. Indeed, the friendship that had sprung up between these two was something singular to them both and had been the outgrowth of earnest efforts on Theodore's part, and many falls and many repentings on Pliny's. What a delightful home you have! Pliny said eagerly, as the two young men lingered together in the hall. Then his face darkened as he added, It is the first table I have sat down to in many a day, without being tempted on every side by my faithful imp, starting up in one shape or other to coax me to ruin i tell you mallory you know nothing about it yes i do theodore answered positively and i know you're in dire need of help come home with me to dinner will you pliny shook his head can't some wretched nuisance and her daughter are to dine with us and i promised mother i would be at home and on duty i must go up directly and there is a car coming theodore don't think me an ungrateful fool i know what i think of myself and of you and if ever i am anything but a drunkard why never mind only may the god in whom you trust bless you forever and this warm-hearted whole-souled hot-brained sorely tempted young man wrung his friend's hand with an almost convulsive grasp and was gone theodore looked after him wistfully winnie came to the window while he still stood looking out he turned to her suddenly winnie enter the lists with me and help me fight rum and his allies and save the young man how said winnie earnestly every way help me to meet him at every time to save him from himself and worst and hardest of all to save him from his family i would like to ask you to pray for him very well answered winnie gravely returning his searching look with one as calm why don't you then because i have reason to fear that you do not pray for yourself this time she colored violently but still spoke steadily suppose i do not can't i possibly pray for anyone else you can certainly if you will but the question is will you and receiving no sort of reply to this question theodore turned away and prepared to go down the hastings family had filed out to the dining-room after the orthodox fashion mr hastings leading out the fashionable boston stranger mrs de and pliny following with her elegant daughter all traces of last night's dissipation had been carefully petted and smoothed away from the young man's face and dress and he looked the very impersonation of refined manhood as for dora no amount of care and anxiety on her mother's part could transform her into a fashionable young lady no amount of persuasion could induce her to follow fashion's freaks in the matter of dress unless they chanced to accord with her own grave rather mature taste so on this november day while miss dewitt was glowing and sparkling in garnet silk and rubies dora was pale and fair in blue merino and soft full laces and in spite of plainness and simplicity or perhaps by the help of them was queenly and commanding still the table was dazzling and gorgeous with silver and cut glass and flowers Pliny established his lady and devoted himself to her wishes, eating little himself, and declining utterly at least half of the dishes that were offered. Brandy-peaches, wine-jellies, custards flavored with wine, fruits with just a touch of brandy about them, how they flitted and danced about him like so many imps, all allies of that awful demon Rum, and all seeming bent on his destruction pliny's usually pale face was flushed and his nerves were quivering how much he wanted every one of these spiced and flavored dainties only his poor diseased appetite knew how thoroughly dangerous every one of them was to him only his troubled tempted conscience knew he heartily loathed every article of simple unflavored food he absolutely longed to seize upon that elegant dish of brandy peaches and devour every drop of the liquid to quench his raging thirst. Still he chatted and laughed, and swallowed cup after cup of coffee, and struggled with his tempter, and tried to call up and keep before him all his numerous promises to that one true friend who had stood faithfully beside him through many a disgraceful downfall. "'What an abstemious young gentleman!' simpered miss dewitt as for the fourth time pliny briefly and rather savagely declined the officious waiter's offer of wine-custard don't you eat any of these frivolous and demoralizing articles mrs hastings is your son one of the new lights i have really been amused to see how persistently he declines all of the tempting articles of peculiar flavor is it a question of temperance mr hastings i'm personally interested in that subject i heard your star speaker mr ryan hold forth last evening did you hear him mr hastings i did not answered pliny laconically remembering how far removed from a temperance lecture was the scene in which he had mingled the evening before he was spared the trouble of further answer by his father's next remark it is a remarkable recent conversion if pliny has become interested in the temperance question he said eyeing him curiously i really don't know but total abstinence is a good idea for weak-minded young men who cannot control themselves pliny flushed to his very forehead and answered in a sharp cutting tone of biting sarcasm elderly gentlemen who seem to be similarly weak ought to set the example then sir this bitter and pointed reference to his father's portly form flushed face and ever-growing fondness for his brandies was strangely unlike pliny's courteous manner and how it might have ended had not miss dewitt suddenly determined on a conquest i cannot say look look she suddenly exclaimed clapping her hands in childish glee the first snowstorm of the season do see the great flakes mr hastings let me pledge your health and your prospect of a glorious sleigh ride and she rested jewelled fingers on the sparkling glass before her pliny's head was throbbing and the blood seemed racing in torrents through his veins he turned a stern fierce look upon the lady by his side muttered in low hoarse tones pledge me for a glorious fool as i am drained his glass to the very bottom and abruptly left the table and the room and miss de witt was serenely and courteously surprised while the embarrassed mother covered her son's retreat as best she might and dora sat white and silent on the table in pliny's room lay a carefully worded note of apology and explanation From Pliny to Ben Phillips. It was folded and ready for delivery. Pliny dashed up to his room, seized upon the note and consigned it to the glowing coals in the grate, then rang his bell furiously and left this message in its stead Tell Phillips when he calls that I'm going, and he'll find me at Harcourt's. End of chapter twenty two.